Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Hip, hip, hooray to Mike Riley and his San Antonio commanders on their victory over heated rival San Diego Fleet. Even Sean Eichhorst made the trip down to the Alamo Dome to celebrate. (laughs) I did not see Sean in the audience there. I I didn't catch that. It's a good eye, Honk. I am also with Boomer. Well, I'm sorry. I'd like to apologize to the Redcasters. I didn't get to do a whole lot of tweeting during the uh, Nebraska-Purdue basketball game. Uh, that evening, I decided to go uh, watch something a little less harrowing and filled with less bitterness and disappointment and watched a documentary on the Western Front of World War One. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah, yeah, that's probably right. It was actually a, a difficult game to watch. Uh, Huskers lose again. Uh, it's uh, rinse and repeat at this point. I don't know what to say about Husker basketball. I don't know if I want to uh, start with uh, that tonight. Maybe we'll come back to Nebraska basketball. But we did have some football news today. Um, hockey, let's uh, start with uh, Mike Dawson. Uh, seconds after we find out that all the uh, assistant coaches get extensions on their contract, we learn that Mike Dawson is actually leaving staff to go uh, be the linebackers coach, I believe, for the New York Giants. Uh, what do you think there? Yeah, what at the beginning of today, we were texting each other back and forth about, well, you know, what are we going to talk about tonight? Kind of a slow news day, and then uh, the news sped up. Uh, yeah, so we, Considerably. we have the, the first coach from the coaching staff uh, leave. Now, for what it's worth, and I guess we've had some mailbag questions on this, and we'll, we'll get to them probably a little later, but um, there is a, a certain candidate, I think, that has some Husker ties and maybe was here before, I think would be a, a good a good potential replacement, but, you know, we can talk about that in the mailbag. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's going to happen, and and this is one of those instances, I think, where, you know, we have guys that are leaving on good terms. I mean, Frost sat there and said, hey, this is, you know, when you have good guys that are going to be wanted by other teams, they're going to leave and or have potential to leave. And Dawson, this is the first time I think he's ever worked west of the Mississippi, so he wants to get back on the East Coast, and good luck to him over there. Yeah, you know, Boomer – we had a similar conversation when the coaching staff was hired, and I think the question might have been a mailbag question. It's like, you know, how long will the staff stay together? Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, I mean, if they're really successful, we could lose somebody in year one, but if they're kind of middle of the road or worse, you know, I, I'd like to see them stay together for two or three more years. And I, one thing I don't think we really considered, at least I didn't consider when we answered that question, was kind of the NFL connections that some of these guys have. And this is where Mike Dawson comes in, where he did coach for the Eagles, and uh, there's connections there on the coaching staff now on the Giants to when he was there in Philadelphia. And uh, that was probably just you know too much to, to say no to. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that's a good way to look at it. I mean, these aren't going to be coaches. I mean, that's just not the way football goes anymore, that all the assistants are going to be here 20, 30 years, you know, like we had, you know, decades ago. That's just not not going to happen any longer. So, you know, we're going to have to be aware of this. And if we do have the success like we hope, you know, we are going to have some coaching turnovers. So see how, see where that leads us. Yeah, well, Honky's theory of just hiring ex-Huskers might actually – you know, keep a staff together. So I guess we'll tackle that here <laughs> and potential Mike Dawson replacements. But oh, uh, that might be one yeah. way to, to have staff uh, continuity, I suppose. By, by 2022, every available coach is going to be uh, an advisor at Alabama anyway, so there may not be any coaches <laughs> available. So. Uh, that's right. And uh, also today in news that I, I don't think we have enough details to go into great, great uh, depth on, but uh, I think we at least need to acknowledge it sounds like uh, Maurice Washington – potential starting running back is uh, potentially facing charges. I don't know if there's anything been filed yet in, from the state of California into regards to sending uh, some uh, video over uh, his phone that he shouldn't have um, and uh, potential potential charges of uh, revenge porn and uh, child pornography due to the age of the, the, the woman involved who was his ex-girlfriend actually so very complicated we don't have all the details i think maybe a, in a, a, a further podcast we'll know more information uh honky do you want to just add anything just acknowledging the, the story i mean i don't know any more details than what you just laid out there but all i can say is due process for right now i mean there's there's no point on jumping on any one thing and saying you know kick them off or keep them on i don't think anybody knows enough about any of it yet to to be able to, to come to any conclusion like that. And so I'm more than willing right now from a due process standpoint to just kind of let this thing play out. And I trust and believe in the coaches and Frost that they're going to make the right decision based off the information. Yeah. Uh, Boomer, anything else you want to add on that? No. Like I said, it's just, you know, first we've heard of it this afternoon. And, you know, let's give it a little bit of time here before, you know, anything is done and see what we learn. So, Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, all right, Honk, uh, you know, it's been a little while since we were uh, doing a podcast. We did not do the show last week. Uh, producer Skip was uh, our international traveler, was, was out of the country again. Uh, so we delayed it uh, a, a little while um, instead of doing a show on National Signing Day, which used to be like a holiday practically, but now it's, it's like it's like New Year's and some, it's like total letdown, right? You're like New Year's Eve is like, yeah, right? I mean, the, the second national signing day is like, yeah, it's it's not that great any longer because ultimately almost everybody signs in December. Uh, we obviously had the Noah Pola Gates uh, announcement a few weeks beforehand. We did get one additional recruit, uh, Demarius Houston, I believe, which I thought was going to be Hollywood Houston, but now he wants to be... What was Peanut? it? Peanut Houston? Peanut. Is that right? Which, I, I don't know. Whatever. But a great pickup, speed guy, another very fast wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Uh, anything else you want to just kind of talk about with the, the class in general and maybe how well it's starting to, to stack up uh, kind of nationally? Well, I do want to, I guess, aside from just the scholarship piece, I want to mention the walk-on additions to it. I mean, we're this is a class that was – getting upwards of about 25 and actually speaking of news from today looks like we picked up a transfer punter from michigan state william i am not going to get his last name prizka prizu p-r-z-y-s-t-u-p but he apparently he kicked against us this last year in the snowstorm had a couple of 50 yard bombs 
but he comes in as a walk-on and and I've read both ways where you know that he might be able to compete for the the spot two years from now or he might be able to compete this year I don't know if he has immediate eligibility or not I've seen both ways stated but regardless um you know that's we're we're going after players walk-on scholarship whatever it is um on the scholarship side this is the highest rated class uh i know for you know since 1999 i think and if i'm reading this right for two uh in 24 7 it's their highest rated class nebraska's had since then for rivals it's the highest rated class in like eight or nine years uh, since the, 2011 I believe. yeah the most most four-star recruits uh uh what a six-year high for 247 an eight-year high for for rivals just kind of going off the sheet i'm reading so i mean they there's some star power in it there's some depth to it i think they hit a lot of the positions that they needed to hit and i really like how that's complemented with this uh, walk-on class we're gonna get 100 guys basically turned over on the on the roster in two off seasons by coach frost between scholarship and walk-ons that's that's impressive yeah that is a massive amount of uh, rebuilding uh, rebuilding of the of the roster you know but we've talked about this a little bit before and like you know what is it going to take from a recruiting standpoint to actually compete at a not only a conference but a national level and you know rivals uh i think we're landing at 16 and that's that's with 20 hockey would end up with 27 guys 26 27 recruits yeah i think it was 27 is what the official one was and so we did not get to the 30 that we thought we may get to and so uh, that actually leaves a few more scholarships potentially for graduate transfers later this year or even have, have really have a bigger class next year, which I think could be a really, really important class for, for Frost to build on. And it seems like he's going in the right direction here. And, and the question is, is, how good of a class do you need to have on a regular basis to you know really start to talk about you know the talent level you need to, to play for uh, you know, a national championship, and I, I don't know if we're there yet, but we're definitely getting closer. And I think hockey's point is, is if you're combining uh, nationally ranked classes in the teens, and you combine that with the development program that also brings along your walk-ons, and you you find a few starters out of that system at the same time that you don't actually have to to recruit in, in the same manner. Um, it, I think that's you're kind of seeing the frost recipe for success from a talent perspective. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. If it is, you know, feasible, and we you mentioned we've talked about this before, and it does seem like in the playoff era you do have to be, you know, probably 15 or higher on a regular basis, recruiting wise, you know, on an average on an average class to find yourself in that playoff scenario very consistently. I mean, it, the teams that are always, you know, in the playoffs are always in those in the in that area. So it's going to have to be a different mold, I think, if this if you know this is going to work. Um, so that's what I'm kind of fascinated to see if. Uh, this is going to pan out I, because I think part of the challenge is, you know, teams that do recruit well tend to get a little more of a, a break by the, you know, selection committee on its own. I mean, heck we were, uh, you it's know, a, a, a Texas up a second Texas win against Oklahoma, which they were perfectly capable of doing this year from Georgia getting in simply because they had a good recruiting class. I mean, they didn't win any, you know, huge games this year, but why would they get <laughs> talked about? It's just, Oh, they have all this talent. And they're a great team. Well, okay. So they about made the playoffs based on recruiting rankings. So I mean, that's kind of how important those really are. I, but yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. You can look at the other side of it and and look at Washington maybe or Michigan State definitely, who probably didn't have those 
um, all-star classes, and they still make the playoff at least. Now, they don't actually compete well in the playoff when they actually got there, but point is they're, they're able to put together a team and uh, a season to, to make the playoff. But yeah. if you're talking about trying to compete on a consistent basis year in and year out, you know, you're going to need to have that. Uh, class at a little bit higher rated. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because like I said, you can get those years where you're going to win the conference, and you know, if you're undefeated, winning a major Power Five conference, yeah, you're probably going to get in the playoffs, or at least you know have a great shot at it. But yeah, to consistently show up every year, which is, or at least you know, challenge for it every year, which is what I think most Husker fans want. We don't want to be Michigan State. No offense to all of our listeners in the Greater East Lansing area, but. Uh, I'd like to think we set our sights a little higher than, than just being Sparty. So, well, you know, sure. Yeah, and you know. you know, Honk, I'll throw it over to you actually with this question maybe in the sense that uh, Michigan State was able to make the playoff going undefeated in the Big Ten play, but I think that it, with a, a, a lower you know class ranking across their you know last five years or whatever, but typically speaking, because of the strength of the Ohio States, Michigan, Penn States, of the world that that, that that's not going to happen that often if we're going to be able to make the playoff that means we probably need to win the big 10 and that means we have to compete versus the ohio states of the world doesn't mean we need to recruit at a top five level but we do need to recruit competitively honky do you feel like you know where we landed at rivals this year at 16 is about where we would need to be to to, to build up enough classes to have that talent level in the near future yeah i'm fine with where we finished from a, a number standpoint you know boomers mentioned he said different mold and I've always said in you has to be a different mold to begin with. We're, we're just not going to be Ohio State or Alabama or USC or Texas when it comes to recruiting. That's just not going to be the, the style that we are. The different mold that we are is that we can go out and we can get a class like this, and whether it finishes number 16 or maybe it's 14 one year or maybe it's 20 the next year, I think those are good enough classes to go along with uh, getting those a lot of local recruits that, by the way, tend to lower the class the more local guys we get that's generally going to drag it down a little bit from a number standpoint but i i wouldn't have it any other way i i would can i ask you a quick question on that yep um in the rivals instance i don't know if this is the other case the rivals only counts the top 20 towards their their recruiting ranking right Mm -hmm. so you could potentially grab five guys from nebraska that are low three-star guys or whatever that don't finish in your top if you have 25 members in your class, for example. Correct. And those five guys would never actually count against the rivals ranking, right? Correct. I mean, if your numbers worked out that way. Because my, my point there is we're 16th this year. We got five in-state sure. recruits. Now, I think a couple of those guys probably count towards that rivals ranking because they're not in the bottom bottom seven of the class. But I think you can go ahead and get your in-state guys and, and still be collecting talent elsewhere and not even worry about Correct. That. And not every year we're going to be getting you know upwards of 25 and 27 either. In fact, next year's class could be actually a little bit smaller, even with us holding some of these spots open mm-hmm. here. The, I think the transfer portal is going to become uh, a new term for people to get very familiar with in April and May as spring ball gets done and the off season that the semester gets done. You're going to see the next round of people leaving and, and trying to get picked up at other by other schools, kind of like uh, Burrow did what, last year with with Ohio State at yep. that time. That's right. So, I mean, yeah. you're going to yeah. see more of that in the transfer portal era. But as far as for Nebraska, I mean, if I looked at the class that we just had right now, and let's, I think it was Rivals ranked at 16th. Okay, if you took this exact same class, you copied it and times it by four. So over four years, we have the exact same class, and they're ranked 16th every year. The, the question is, is that good enough 
for us to be able to compete for national titles. And I guess I would make the argument that with the walk-on program and the development program, and that's the thing that gives us a different mold, is the development and the, uh, and the walk-ons that we, that we bring with it, in addition to the mobile quarterback, which I've always – that's always been, a, a, you know, probably at the start of everything I've ever talked about with offense is mobility at QB and the college game at Nebraska at least. That's, that's what we do. And that's a difference from a Washington or from a Michigan State or some of the schools that you mentioned before that were lower tiered that didn't have much success there. Oregon, which didn't always have the highest recruiting rankings, they had a coach who we might know of who's worked with quarterbacks, yeah. and they you know they get some guys out there that can that can challenge you. So I, I think we have our, our different mold. We've talked about it enough before with the style of play that we're going to do, but getting some of these in-state tough kids that can compete in the Big Ten kind of games – and then having some of the talented guys, the Wandale Robinsons and so on, that can compete uh, you know, against the Alabamas of the world as, as we get to that point and we're playing those kind of games, that's Nebraska being a different mold. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think that transfer portal is another another opportunity. I mean, I don't think we're going to be an outlier there. We just we probably need to be mm-hmm. at the table because, uh, you know, Boomer, we just saw Ohio State, Justin Fields transfers from Georgia. He's mm-hmm. literally got a Georgia uniform on a month ago and he is now eligible at Ohio State and we're likely playing against Justin Fields in game five of next next season correct you know yeah. and uh it's amazing what a, a good lawyer can do to get you eligible almost immediately and it seems like that's happening more and more often. I have no idea what the heck the NCAA rules are anymore because apparently I mean guys, oh, they don't either guys can transfer and just play right away I have no clue what what the rules are yeah it's changed apparently. Yeah, well, I think we might have another mailbag on that a little bit too. Yeah. On like, oh, it's you know NCA. So, all right, guys, let's uh, head to the mailbag. Honky, what do you have? All right, we had a good week of uh, mailbaggers sending us in uh, some questions. Uh, first couple, Springfield, Nate, Scott, Days, both of them were asking questions generally about uh, Coach Dawson, his uh, the announcement today that he's moving to the NFL. Um, long story short, how do you think this will affect our D-line kids, if at all, and who would you like to see replace him? Uh, Boomer, I'll, I'll hand that over to you. Oh, well, uh, i just like to quote our uh, good associates at the uh, Cobcast, and they, as they said whenever a Nebraska coach leaves, uh, the only answer, of course, is replace him with another Nebraska guy or Ed Orgeron, so I assume it's <laughs> one of those two is going to be coming up. So I like Ed. That'd be a good choice. That'd yeah, right yeah man, he's, he's not busy, is he? No, no. I I will say this. In this one instance, because I I don't want to be the guy that's like, it has to always be a Husker. That's not not me to begin with. But I do feel like, you know, having Husker guys on the staff is helpful. That said, we do, it's as obvious as anything to me is that Perella is a name that's got to come out. Um, He's an assistant D-line coach right now with the the Browns. But, I mean, he recruited half the guys that are on the D-line right now, the Davis twins and the, and Stilly and, DeAndre Thomas and Daniels. I mean, he's coached them and and uh, having that that background with them, it would be nice. Now, I don't know if there's anything behind the scenes that would prevent that from happening or anything along those lines. But to me, that's a name that so I Perillo have to throw was out. With, Perillo was with was with Riley for his last two years. Correct. correct. Yep. And so he he did he recruit the Davis? He wouldn't twins? have recruited they Davis twins, but he would have recruited like Stilly, and he would have recruited. Daniels right. and, and DeAndre Thomas, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, do you think he's too closely connected with the Riley regime? I mean, you know, if anything, 
I don't think Frost had a lot of great things to say about the prior coaching staff. I mean, like you said, that's a behind-the-scenes stuff, so I don't know you know, what relationship yeah, they'd the, have. Uh, Husker I mean, blood run deeper than yeah. Riley ties, essentially. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, my the one thing I would think about, because when, when the new staff came in, I was really hoping Perello would be retained. Uh, I've watched him speak at, at coaches' clinics. I mean, the guy, he's legit. And I don't know that he loved – Played in the NFL for a long time. There's no yeah, doubt. I'm not sure he was loving the Diaco um, scheme, I'll just say that. But regardless – the strain, if you will. The, the strain. <laughs> but I – I really would like to have seen him stick around. Having said that, it's as easy and it's understandable what happened. I mean, Frost brought his entire staff, and that's so. If there was, I can't imagine there'd be any bad blood from Perella. Like, why did I not? Why wasn't I retained? Well, yeah, he brought the entire staff. Far more excusable, sure. You yeah, know, exactly. so. But anyways, that's. I mean, that's the guy that just right off the top of my head. I've kind of had little dreams of this in advance, you know, that maybe we could find a way to get him back here, and, and this kind of opened up today. So I don't know. That would be my, my answer, Springfield Nate, and, you know, about uh, who would you like to see you replace know, I, him. I don't know if I have another name out there at all, to be honest with you. I, I Two things, I guess. One, it, and during the Riley regime, we are always talking about who are the graduate assistants mm-hmm. and, you know, like Tavita Thompson, et cetera. I, I don't hear that as much this time, so I wonder who else we actually have on staff that Frost could potentially want to promote. I don't know if he has anybody yet. Mm-hmm. And then maybe more of an aside almost is uh, how many ex-Huskers are in the, the coaching uh, profession at this point. You know, I, uh, I read where Ryan Held was – you know, voted one of the top 25 recruiters out in the country this year. I'm like, well, that's a great job for, you know, Ryan Hill. And I was looking down the list, and Mickey Joseph is also a top 25 recruiter. I think he's at LSU. And then you go, you know, start thinking about, well, how many other Nebraska coaches or, or, or players, quarterbacks maybe in particular, with Jerry Godowski. Mike Grant. And Mike Grant. And uh, it just, the list goes on and on, it feels like. Uh, in that that regard, um, uh, who's down in Arizona coaching high school now? Oh shoot! Really recent, actually. I want to say Bobby um, Newcomb. Oh, it's, um, well, New- Bobby Newcomb's a head. Coach Is that Arizona or New Mexico? I mean, even I, I, I think it's in Arizona. There's a difference, really. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, the it's a substantial list of of Nebraska, you know. Players are, are now in the coaching profession. A lot of them with Osborne ties. Actually, mm-hmm. I just think it's interesting. Two uh, former defensive linemen that don't have any coaching experience, but were suggested to us on social media were Adam Carricker and Jason Peter. And I'll forever, you know, I'll always hold a, a soft spot for the the idea of Peter being a defensive line coach at Nebraska. Just the the idea of a guy exploding and being crazy out there. I'm not necessarily sure that's the the route that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that we're going to go here, but <laughs> I, I love his fire. I mean, bring in Wistrom and Peter every single spring and, and fall camp and like they did last year and let those guys do everything they can to, to instill what a black shirt is in them. But, um, but I, I, that's one of the things I really liked about Perella just, just personally, I thought that he brought all that fire and all that, that craziness. And I mean, there were awesome stories of Perella from his playing days and he had all the NFL experience and then you couple that with some really good lineage of, of, of his coaching, what he was able to do as a head coach at junior college levels and, you know, starting up, I think it was a high school program that was successful. I mean, he, you know, he, he kind of worked his way through the ranks. And so 
to me that that's it's a natural thing but again i'm not i was never involved in any of the <laughs> any of the the past so i don't know if there's any issues behind getting you him. weren't you were you were not i an was not yeah, I, I, I was not uh, notified i was not consulted with um <laughs> i thought the very least you start up a podcast and you know your opinion counts more but apparently it doesn't Nope. So anyways, uh, Springfield Nate, right. Scott Dace, he also asked about that. Uh, I guess this goes into question two. Scott Dace, he, he threw a double one at us. He talked about the D-line coach, but also uh, what's our thoughts on Husker baseball, which is just right around the corner. I am definitely going to defer on this one to you two, but I'll start with you, Dave, and just in general, I guess if you can kind of give a three- or four-minute synopsis, where where are we at right oh, now? Oh, I get a time limit. I see how I'm it is. I'm starting the timer now. You indicate that I ramble on baseball. Thanks. Thanks, Song. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot yet to, to say about baseball. In the, I mean, we started our season this this Friday, actually. We're at Riverside, uh, UC Riverside. That's how we started last year, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, Erstad has a connection with that coaching staff. Uh, but then we have a, a, a pretty impressive non-conference uh, lineup. We have a four-game series with Oregon State down in Arizona. We have Texas Tech. We have a series versus Baylor, which is supposed to be much better this year. So that actually looks like a, a really good uh, home series for us. Um, and New Mexico State, Air Force, then then heading to Big Ten play. I think Michigan's the cream of the crop uh, in in Big Ten play, but it's always a kind of a crapshoot. You know, we didn't see Iowa coming in past years, et cetera. So uh, Big Ten play is better, but it's still hard to figure out who's going to be really good. Minnesota ended up being really good last year. We didn't see that coming. So um, I, I think from our perspective, from a roster perspective, it's great to have Chan, Chad Lindsman back. Uh, you know, I lost several pitchers last year to to a Tommy John surgery or other arm elements, and hopefully that's uh, fixed this year. Erstad needs a good year. I, I, it doesn't seem like on paper to have as much uh, pop in the lineup without Scott Schreiber um, and Alvarado, but maybe that you know that's just because we don't know some of these these young guys and and things will uh, turn around. They have their opportunities this year with the non-conference right off the bat. Got to win a few of those and see where it goes. Hey Boomer, I know the non-conference schedule has obviously been. Uh, padded this year i mean we've got some good we've got some good teams we're playing against we've uh, oregon state arizona state baylor so it, it's a pretty good schedule but do you have any idea any projections on how the big 10 is i think like last year going into it we weren't projecting it to be a very good season and it turned out to be a pretty good year for the big 10 unfortunately not for us but do you, have you been reading up on anything there boomer <laughs> I, I haven't seen a you know great comparison yet. I think you know there's teams coming back in the Big Ten uh, that I think are, should be able to get some decent buzz. You know, Michigan's gotten a lot of hype already. You know, early on this year, I know they're getting they're a lot top of twenty five, yeah, top yeah, twenty five team, yeah. and they return on a lot of players from last year's team, which was good, and you know probably should have done better than they did. So you know they're going to get some good buzz. You know, Indiana should still be all right. You know, they're good for getting some uh, some credence built there. Uh, you know, Indi- uh, Illinois, Minnesota might have a chance to. You know, Maryland should yeah, be good. Maryland's again. usually yeah. all right too, but of course we don't play Maryland this year, so that doesn't do us a whole lot of good. So yeah, Boomer, yeah, who, it, Boomer, yeah. who do we play actually? Because we don't play Indiana either, do we? No, no, we miss Indiana and Maryland this year. We do get uh, let's see, Michigan State, a, Minnesota, yeah. Purdue, Penn State, Iowa, Illinois, Northwestern, and Michigan. So 
So yeah, we do At miss Penn State. Yeah. That'll that'll be in a crowd of several. Yep, yep. Ditto Northwestern. You know, yeah, maybe a couple might attend. But well, uh, I'm looking at the schedule here, and just the once you hit May 10th, the last two series that we're playing are home series, and they're against Arizona State and then Michigan is the the last yeah. home series of the of the year. Yeah, and we get Illinois at, at home as well in late April. So I mean, you've got a chance to make some noise there against some you know pretty good pretty quality opponents to end the year and you know kind of go into the postseason on a hot streak hopefully but mm-hmm. it's going to be a challenge i think for nebraska this year and we've got like dave said we got to replace schreiber and uh wilkening he's out he's gone this year yep, too that's so that's right. another Justin's you know a couple big names we got to fill and you got to keep the pitching staff healthy because geez how many injuries did we have last year uh, i mean was, that's that was, that was just year. a killer last year so and there is going to be pressure on Erstad to produce something i mean we were sub 500 last year and I, what eight and 14 i think in the big 10 so yeah, that, yeah, we didn't even make yeah, the big make 10 the, tournaments the tournament, I mean, for goodness sakes. yeah that was pretty awful. depressing so yeah he's got to show some progress i think this year there's probably going to be a little bit of a little heat warming up i think on a, i think on he a said chair. he'd fire himself so yeah yeah we'll see if he holds himself to that but uh you know, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Right. drunken boasts aren't the best things to do when uh you know <laughs> interviews but you know from experience, Boomer? Uh, we podcast, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might have been five minutes, but that was that was five good right. minutes, you guys. Right. That, you know, good yeah. job. That's right. I think we'll know a lot more here than actually just the first couple of weeks. Once we actually get to see Oregon State, and uh, we've played Oregon State so many times, and we just never look like anywhere near able to compete. You know, if we could actually go and really uh, hang a, a, a game or two with, with the Beavers, I think that would be a great start to the season. Yes, that would be nice. All right. Well, thank you there, uh, Scott, for that question. Uh, next one is from The Keg, and he says, we know, we, we know the NCAA has lost all credibility when it comes to discipline. I'm no Mizzou fan, but how in the world could they hammer the Tigers while letting UNC basketball off for doing the same thing? Uh, Dave, you, uh, you also moonlight as a UNC basketball fan, so I guess I'm going to direct this question to you. Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? And then we'll go to Boomer. Well, why do I care? Uh, well, I mean, I think the lesson learned here is you don't cooperate with the NCAA, right? I mean, right? <laughs> Carolina denies everything. It's like, no, 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 no. And, and Missouri is like, oh, we made this mistake. We're sorry. We're going to be cooperative. Okay, Missouri, we're going to hand you down with a, a one-year penalty. Uh, North Carolina, ah, we can't figure it out. We can't prove it. Um, we're just going to let it go. Uh, that, that's my interpretation of, of, of kind of what happened, and I, I I don't know if it's it's not right, obviously, but um, and I don't know if it's really a blue blood versus non blue blood thing. It's just really a how you how do you go handle the NCA and, and their credibility is takes um, hits all across the board. This is another example of their credibility just you know uh, getting dinged, boomer. Yeah, this is just another example of that. You know, Honky mentioned it earlier, how no one has any clue what their their transfer rules are, and a, a decent lawyer can get you, you know, through the transfer portal with no waiting period. That's and right. again, it always seems to help when they're going to a you know important program that needs a starting quarterback, so, that, you know, it seems to help. Similarly to how, uh, you know, if you're a team with a whole bunch of banners in your... In, in your arena that, oh, they'll let those, you know, fake classes slide, you know, because, yeah, they're just student-athletes after all. I mean, not a big yeah, deal boomer. there at UNC. But. Who's the, uh, Boomer, who's the um, uh, lawyer on The Simpsons? 
Oh, Lionel Hutz, you know, yeah. Lionel Hutz, maybe that's who Missouri had working for. Pretty him. much, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that seemed to be what they had, yeah. And Day is right. I mean, what what's the lesson we learned here? It, you know, what are they incentivizing? Is not cooperating with them because look what happens yeah. when you're Missouri, and this is what happens. I mean, you end up getting dinged for it. Now they may not have made the postseason anyway, but still, you know, it's just a terrible like look Kelly for the Bryant. NCAA, and it's just. Again, it just kind of undercuts their credibility more and more. I mean, every time people see this, they just get more jaded about what they do and how they implement these rules. And, you know, the favoritism, it, is, it appears, you know, whether they're really exercising favoritism or not. You know, one of the things I saw with uh, North Carolina is how they argued against it. And they said that, well, you know, with Missouri, this, uh, what was it, a, a TA or whatever was, you know, writing papers for everybody and, you know, North Carolina's argument was, yeah, we know it was an office assistant that was running these classes, but at least the students did their own work that she graded. So that's, you know, that's they stood right. behind the classes, and that's how they kind of coasted on this. And it's There was no work at all. Yeah, on exactly. It's, I mean, it's disheartening and dispiriting, and but that just seems to be the nature of a lot of college athletics these days. But it is enjoyable because it's Missouri. So oh, that, I can always enjoy Missouri's pain. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah. But, if it was Iowa. I mean, Kelly Bryant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kelly Bryant transferred in from Clemson, right? I mean, it Kelly did. Bryant goes to Missouri. I think Missouri was really optimistic that they were going to have a really competitive team this year. They probably will, but they're not going to have any uh, postseason eligibility. They'll probably beat Alabama this year, just watch. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, Bama well, will get to slide into the SEC title game regardless. You know. Well, thanks, The Keg. And uh, the final question here is from a mailbag uh, repeat uh, questioner. Count Istvan, he follows us on, on social media. And uh, he said, We did have, or he talks about what are some of the candidates that are out there if Miles goes. Uh, so here's finally, here's the basketball question. Dave, uh, you know, you're the basketball guy. I'm going to start with you on it. But I guess he, he's already jumping to the conclusion that there's going to be some kind of, some kind of movement at the end of the year and, and who would be the person replacing him. Yeah, it's a, it's unfortunate, it, and it, it is difficult right now in the sense that with such optimism going into the season and the really first two months of the season, you're like, this is great. This is a, a whole different world for Nebraska basketball. We were 11-2 at one point, weren't we? Say that again, Were we 11-2 at one point? 11-2, we were 13-4 yeah. also, I believe. Um, and... Now we're what thirteen and eleven? Is that right? Yeah. 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 Uh, eight eight game losing streak. Uh, it's hard to imagine them winning another game. I know there's betting lines out there whether we win another game this year, and it just doesn't seem like the the same team practically. I mean, I was just looking at uh, Lenardi a couple days ago had in his final four in he had Clemson and Seton Hall I believe, mm-hmm. and his first four out included Creighton. Yep. Three teams we all we beat, two of them handily, and and so you can't tell me that the team you know isn't more talented than what it is you know what it's displaying right now. But we lost by twenty by Purdue and we're uncompetitive in the second half. And and I just I mean maybe we beat Penn State or something. So yeah, I, I we've said all along that Tim Miles needed to get to the tournament and potentially win the tournament to prove that he's got this going in the right direction in year seven. It's not going to happen unless there's a miracle waiting for for him at the end of the rainbow. So it's it's legitimate to have this conversation, I think. Mm-hmm. Do I have the magic answer on what coach I'd want to see here? Probably not. But I would say 
that considering the facilities that we have, the fan support, uh, the, the salaries that we pay, the very low expectations. We're just, I mean, we'll build you a statue if you win one game in the tournament. So uh, you could put that in the contract on the new coach. You know, you get a statue if you, if you win one game in the tournament. Uh, I, I, I don't buy the fact that we should are not an attractive place for a, a legitimate coaching hire. And when I say that, uh, I understand we've gone the Tim Miles and Barry Collier and Dax, Doc Sadler route where we take a a mid-major and and promote someone up and I'm not saying that that may not be the right hire I've heard Craig Smith get thrown out there as a name that's a Tim Miles uh, assistant coach he's doing quite well uh where's he at honky he's at Utah State State, um but I mean yeah maybe he's the next great coach I don't know but do we have to go that route again uh and 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 take several years to build up a, a recruiting staff et cetera et cetera um I feel like we could at least it's worth asking to go out and see if there's um, a legit Power Five coach that has a track record of winning um, to to come here to Nebraska. And we see this across the board. I was just watching Kansas; they beat TCU tonight. TCU has Jamie Dixon, who has a TCU connection there, but I mean they they pulled him um, uh, away from from Pitt, right? I mean it's have SEC went on a, a shopping spree a couple of years ago, right? And there's um, uh, 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 ben Howland at Mississippi State, and uh, there's Tom Crean at Georgia, and Tennessee, and Auburn all got legitimate head coaches that have experience and 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 are winners. That that could happen. And I, I also finally I'll, th- I'll throw it over to Boomer here, but I I I'd just be remiss to not not mention that, even though I think it's a long shot, maybe the longest of shots. You have to at least ask Tyron Lue if he would be interested in coming back. It's probably a 1% shot. He's an NBA guy, but you got to ask, right? So, Boomer? Yeah, I, I kind of take your approach on that, Dave. You know, first off, you know, I, I don't want to throw dirt on Tim Miles, but I think everyone knows what's coming here. I mean, barring a miracle, there's, yeah, there's just no way we can keep him around. I mean, it's unfortunate to say that, and... Yeah, it's regrettable. I think everyone had such high hopes, and we wanted to see him succeed. I don't think anyone was hoping he wouldn't, but it just doesn't look like that's happening. And I just think just for next year, you've got to make a move because, you know, if he's back next year and all our seniors are gone, and what kind of excitement is there for the season next year? I don't think anyone would anticipate a huge rebound year and, you know, back to a 21 team next year by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, if only from a business perspective, you almost just have to consider making some kind of move. And and I agree with you, Dave. We really need to aim higher. You know, it's something I mentioned. I don't remember if you said it on air or if it was just off, you know, air a couple of weeks ago is I think too many people in around Nebraska basketball just kind of approach it the way Iowa football, you know, approaches it. We can't yeah. ever be good. We're always going to be middling at best, you know, and we'll just have that one coach who'll stay here forever, you know, if he just occasionally you know, wins a few NIT games or whatever, that's fine. Or that we, you know, we can't ever succeed because of our past or whatever. And that's just kind of ridiculous. I mean, basketball is a sport where it doesn't take a lot to really turn a team around. You just need a few, you know, good players, a little bench depth. You're not recruiting, you know, 150 players for four years, you know, trying to build a huge roster that you need year in and year out. You can do that pretty quick in basketball. I mean, you just, I mean, it's not, you know, recruiting is tough. Don't get me wrong, but 
it can be done. There's only so much talent that can go to these teams because the roster is going to be so big. So, yeah, you know, no, and, I agree. And, just, and you look around us. I mean, I watch Iowa State play, you know, a couple times this last week, and they're great. Ames doesn't have any advantages. Lincoln doesn't. You know, well, they have Michael Jackson. State. Well, there is that, yeah. So there was one advantage, that, yeah. But uh, you know, you've got that. You've got you know, Kansas State doesn't. You know, certainly the little brother in their own state and in a town that's yeah, nowhere Bruce near as Weber's exciting. Doing, yeah, and they do they uh, do fine. You've got you know Wichita State. You know, the, there's another yeah. name I would throw out. Yeah, I mean there I mean, are. Greg Marshall. Yeah, has has turned down some previous offers, but if he likes the Midwestern feel and he likes the size the. Town the size of Wichita, hey, yeah. come on up to Lincoln. Yep. You know? Maybe you know more maybe, money, man. Maybe Moose's time at Washington State, he has some connections uh, to a guy up in Spokane, uh, Gonzaga. Uh, but that's yeah. probably yeah, that sure. would be yeah, shooting. Yeah, you get yeah. Mark Few. I would be shooting high. You know, that's I'd shooting say, you for know, the moon, I right? I don't know. You know what the chances are? You take a shot at you know Musselman from Nevada. I don't know if he's looking at UCLA or something like that. But we that's can outpay Nevada. One. Well, I mean, Boomer, my God, he's, you know, Boomer. Yeah. Maybe maybe to take it away from just the names. Let me let's change the conversation a little bit. And I can't remember remember where I saw this, but it was something that was floating around last week. But it was basically saying Nebraska ball is not even a top fifty job. So so that's the that's the challenge that that Moose would have. Going into this, uh, you know, this this job search, this this hypothetical job search that would have to happen. So, I mean, I guess part of the job of being the AD here is to not make this a top, you know, a, a bottom fifty job. I mean, he has to sell it, but there's a lot to sell, right? I mean, Dave mentioned a lot of the the stats. I mean, we pay pretty well, and and the expectations yeah. and the facilities. Six year term automatically, you know. Yeah, I mean, my God, you get six years here. I mean, we've had some of the we're one of the most stable coaching ranks in basketball for for decades. I think we've had like six coaches since 1963, and you know, one of those guys had cancer, and that's why he left. And I think two of them kind of left on their own free will, really. I mean, I don't think Mo Weibo wanted to be here anymore, and you know. Uh, Collier. Collier went back to be a be an AD. So I mean, my God, you're just handed millions of dollars here for five, six, seven years. You get a fair chance to to make things happen here. So I, that has to be attractive. No one's expecting you to come in and you know turn things around in one season. You know, we've got facilities. You've got fan support for often a product that's not great. I mean, I think there's a yeah. lot of schools that would love to have our you know fan support that we get on a regular basis. I mean, men's basketball turns a profit here, and I'm. And substantial one really i mean considering how you know what they spend they get a good return on that so you've got all those advantages there again you know recruiting is tough but it's going to be tough at any of these smaller schools you know that that populate you know boomer i the midwest i I think to that that recruiting point though if you get the right coach uh that's a that's a game changer right i mean you i mean it just matters of like who you get there and and you can recruit anywhere and if you have 15,000 uh, folks in the seats and a good atmosphere and great facilities, the right coach can bring in and oh, bring in players. Yeah, players, can, you know? players will follow a named coach. Yeah, this, yep. yeah they're, they're looking for that, mm-hmm. you know, somebody that can get them success, get them to the next level, the ones that want to make that, that jaunt to the NBA. They want that. Uh, you're on, you know, you've got a quality conference you're a part of that gets a lot of press. It's easy for this conference to make the NCAA tournament and make a move. You know, when the Big Ten is good, I mean, gosh, you're talking, what, 10, 11 teams making the tournament this year? 
you know, so you've got that going for you, and it's yeah, us not being one of them, which is yeah. also depressing. But yeah, it's it's that, and you know, we're on TV constantly, you know, sometimes regrettably, but it's you know, it's there. There's there's pieces here that you can sell, and it's this isn't the you know the dumpster fire of of college basketball jobs that that people make it out to be, or it doesn't have to be. So yeah, it's gotten a lot better. Oh, absolutely. Well, and, and it's interesting because that thing that the thing I was reading that didn't have us as a top fifty job. One of the knocks was the pro side of things, the NBA, that we can't get players there. But, Dave, you, earlier you mentioned Tyron Lou, And, again, I don't want to be the, the Husker fan that says every coach we hire has to be a former Husker. But in this particular case, here's a guy that, you know, if if it was possible, I've seen so many people online poo-poo the idea, like, oh, gosh, not Lou. We're not going after him for, for a variety of reasons. And I'm like – this is a guy that would come in and immediately have credibility with players, like a, a, a Roby as an example that maybe is going to leave or come back after this year. Boy, you think this could be a guy that could come in with his playing, you know, he championship rings from playing and coaching at, at the next level, that that could have the attention of the immediate team next year, build that immediate kind of uh, uh, excitement. And then as far as, like, I've heard, you know, well, what, what's his recruiting? Get a get an assistant who can recruit. Get a couple assistants who can recruit. Well, and just his NBA pedigree. Yeah. I mean, he's won a, a world championship with LeBron and and you know his coach Dwayne Wade, et cetera. Right. I mean, so I mean to think that he. I mean, I to be if it's a matter of will with him. Yeah. Right. If he actually would want to do it, he could re- recruit the KC and St. Louis areas locked down. Man. I mean, there's no way he wouldn't do well in those two cities, um, being from that area. Just a matter of him wanting to do it. Again, all hypothetical, but um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's it's this season. It's been really disappointing. I feel for I, I do want to say this. I feel for the the fans, and I feel for the players. I mean, a lot of those guys, they 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 yep. came back and they had high hopes. And I don't know somewhere along the line, it just didn't. Something just I, didn't. I think they almost thought they were in it, you know, from early in the year. And like, I don't know. I don't know if they went on cruise like control. After they beat Indiana, and everybody was like, oh, oh they're a lot. That was the win. They're in. I mean, we were talking three it, or four since. I haven't won since. It, yeah. A month ago right now, it was still like that. You know, we were still having that conversation. It just it just got away from them. And unfortunately, I mean, I, I like Tim Miles a lot as a, as, a, as a man. I think the guy was really good for the program in terms of he, he brought some humor. And, and, and he did a lot of yep. – he did a lot of good things to give a – give a face to the program, but these results, they don't warrant, they just fly out. Don't warrant a continuation. I, I don't you know? know. I mean, if he goes and loses, he's lost eight straight. Is that correct? Yes. And how many games do we have left? Eight, I think maybe yeah. seven or eight. And oh, wow. We're just not competitive lot, right now, Dave. I mean, I mean, with the, the year that we had, had pet away and he was coming back and everything. And we thought we were, didn't we learn lose like the last 10 or 11 well, games? And, that yeah, we did. And, and we, we lost right. Season ranked, I think. Yeah. And we lost yeah. right away. We started that year ranked, but, but right away lost to Rhode Island and the season never really lost to Creighton. The season never yeah, really took off a, to begin with this season, actually all the way through new year's completely lived up to the expectations that we had. That's the craziness of what's gone on in the last eight games. In addition yep, to in I addition agree. to the Copeland injury, I mean, I'm not trying to downplay that. That was that was a tough injury. But my goodness, we've talked about so many years where it's like if we could just have that one or two guys that could be a NBA, you know, All Star or you know NCAA All Star kind of player. If we could just have that, that's the thing we were missing. 
Well, even with Copeland gone, we still kind of have two to three of those guys left. I mean, Palmer and Roby and, and Watson, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, you still wanted, you still would think you'd have enough, you know, firepower there. But the, these guys right now, we're struggling to get out of the 40s, and, and this just isn't good basketball being played now. And this is a team that scored in the hundreds at the beginning yeah. of the year, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they their shooting woes have, have really revealed themselves. And, I mean, it just, you watch, I mean, Glenn Watson went like two and a half games without scoring, and James Palmer goes two for 11, and, and you're just like I don't I don't recognize this team mm-hmm. even you know and it's just really hard to put a finger on um, whether it's the Miles offense that is just like totally bogged down and doesn't doesn't produce anything resembling an open shot at this point and the flow is just just awful Honky I, we talked about this a little bit it you know I, I agree with you about Tim Miles I, I like the guy personally he seems like a really good guy I'm rooting for him this whole time. Mm-hmm. One thing that is always been concerning, and we've kind of just kind of swept it under the rug for you know last several years here, is because the transfer situation is so prominent across all of college basketball. But in Nebraska's sense, there's been several players like Michael Jacobson who left and went to Iowa State, Ed Morrow went to Marquette, uh, we lost dry horn to like Tulsa, Jordy, uh, Jordy has Andrew left. White. I don't know where he's gonna. Andrew White, yeah, to Syracuse and had a big year at Syracuse. Um, all of those guys were essentially slated for significantly more playing time in their next year as a Husker. I mean, they 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 were had had successful freshman or sophomore campaigns or whatever, and it was clear that they were going to have more playing time the next year, you know, or at least the the same role. And they chose to transfer and either sit out or 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 whatnot to go somewhere else. And you're like, why would you do that? Yeah. You know, because right now this team, which has got almost all of its minutes tied up in its starting five, or it did when Copeland was there, because that's that's where the best five and everybody else was a dramatic fall off. Boy, we could have used two or three of those guys to still be on this team. You yeah, know? you could. And I don't know why they would choose to leave. Yeah, it, you could you, know? you could add Pitchford to that list, you know, of players too. I mean, they just. Yeah. I, I don't know what the answer to that is. I, I I don't have any inside information or anything like why they would, would leave. In fact, I remember when Andrew White left, Jacobson, who was coming off of his freshman year at the time, Jacobson was very vocal in the media, you know, kind of kind of saying some things about White, like, well, if you're going to leave the team like that, you know, we didn't want you anyways. Essentially something along those lines, you know, not showing right. not showing loyalty. So then for him 12 months later – and physically he was looking like he was getting developed and, and, and he was going into his junior year and he's going to be a, you know, a good solid player for us for him to leave. That was, that was kind of shocking too. I don't, I, I don't have an answer there. And unfortunately everything that we look about with this team where, Hey, we have these four stars, but boy, we just lost, we just don't have the depth behind it. That's the thing that hurt us this year. Other years we've had what I would call depth, but we didn't have the star power. Well, now we don't have the depth. Well, that depth could have been Morrow, or it could have been, you know, uh, Jacobson, or it could have been Jordy, or it could have been Xavier Johnson who left last year and now he's at Pitt and he's doing pretty darn well. And you know, I mean, there's yeah, there's names just... that were guys that were here on campus or at least had signed their name to be here on campus and they're not. And at the end of the day, those are the things that you know, if the, if this is the end of the Miles era, those are the things that are going to end up causing it. Yeah. Yeah, 
Another name I've heard out there is Hoiberg, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Fred mm-hmm. uh, left. had great success at Iowa State, went to Chicago. The Bulls did not have good luck in the NBA at all. Don't know if he also wants to recruit either, but he did a heck of a job at Iowa State in a short amount of time. So, um, again, I would at least argue that we should shoot for the stars initially and, and go from there. Yep. Well, Count Isvan, I know that was a, a very long answer to the to the question, but it, it was inevitable. I mean, we, we held off on talking a lot about basketball until that question just because, you know, I mean, there's not much to talk about right now. I mean, we all are holding out as much hope as we possibly humanly can that this team somehow turns it around or the, the one benefit of basketball is get hot in the Big Ten tournament and somehow win five straight games, right? I mean, that's what we're all sitting here crossing our fingers hoping as fans – but man, the fans, you, God bless you guys. Every fan that's been showing up game after game after game, year after year for Nebraska basketball, you guys, you guys deserve a winner. We were looking at the, you know, some of the numbers and you, I think you guys were talking about how, how much money basketball brings in Nebraska basketball revenue. I think our revenue was equal to what Kansas basketball was bringing in revenue wise. You know what I mean? People are supporting the heck out of this program and we desperately want to see that team, you know, have success and this was the year that was supposed to be the success we were pointing to this year for quite a while and so and then to have that success for half the season and then to have it just completely collapse I just I I honestly really feel bad for the fans right now because I mean they they were they they were punching their ticket for March and they were Dave I'm coming out to see you in Denver for March and I had already had that planned anyways but part of it was going to be us watching the Huskers play somewhere right well We'll we'll just watch a lot of basketball, and Nebraska won't be a part of that, and that's unfortunately become a, you know, kind of the the theme for when I come out and watch that's basketball right. with you. So that's right. Um, well, anyways, uh, right. thank you uh, everyone that submitted the uh, mailbag questions. As always, you can contact us uh, at Go Big Redcast on our social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and you can email us at Go Big Redcast at Gmail. All right, guys. Uh, well. Is there anything else we need to cover, Honk, or should we? I think that covers it all. Parting shots. All right, you want you take us out with your parting shot, Honk? Well, I'll actually be quick today. I uh, the football season is over. We're now into the long off season. The Super Bowl was a week ago. Want to give a congrats to Rex Burkhead, even though he's on the Patriots. I still give him a congrats. He's a good guy, and uh, congrats on winning his title. And also to Zach Taylor, the the losing on the losing side of the Super Bowl, but. He won the next day by becoming the head coach at uh, Cincinnati, the Bengals. I mean, Nebraska in the Super Bowl era hasn't had a a, a former Husker be a head coach at the at the pro level. And congrats to a, to a very young coach with a very bright future. There's another Nebraska football player in the coaching profession, right there. All right, Boomer. Well, hockey. How can you say the football season is over when you've got the AAF going full <laughs> swing after this weekend, and you know, ah, Oscar yes. players playing there? So, I mean, I saw some of them, you know, producing a few things, you know, like Banderas and stuff. We're we're playing there, so good for them. Very true. So, yep. So enjoy that. You know, and on that note, I know I'd mentioned this before. It's we're kind of in that. It's going to be kind of a long, cold end of this winter, start of the spring. You know, Husker baseball doesn't start playing here for a while yet. Go out and just watch a few of the other Husker sports folks. You know, there's wrestling, golf. You know, you name it. We've got guys running, you know, indoor track miles in under in under four minutes, which, you know, like I said, we can barely walk wow. and get a Dorito and a six-pack in, in under four <laughs> minutes from the pantry. So, you know, go out and just have some fun with some of the other Husker sports here during this offseason. It doesn't have to be all just recruiting talk or just all, you know, 
football rumors and stuff. You'll drive yourself That's crazy right. by, by the time fall gets here. So. And before you know it, baseball will have some spring games and we'll yep, be good to go. Yeah, the summer. So it'll be nice. All right, guys. Sounds good. Sounds good. Good talking to you. Let's call that a Go Big Redcast. EBR.